Maybe you're here this morning and that is exactly what you feel. You feel that the relationship that you have between you and your spouse, that there's something there. That there's something there that you can't quite get over. There's a barrier, there's a wall of your own making, of your own doing, of your own choosing. One decision and one choice at a time. It's been put there. And now you so long to be close to your spouse. But now you're afraid that the relationship is over. You know, so many times people, when they think of marriage, they think of intimacy and they think of the spark that's found in marriage. They think of a time long past. They think of a honeymoon of hot, passionate sex. But yet, it's interesting that that word honeymoon literally means sweet month. And that is exactly how most people think the spark in marriage lasts. Just a month. I want you to hear very clearly today that God wants to put the spark and the kindle back in your marriage. We talked last week that sex is a good thing in marriage. And when you take sex outside of marriage, it becomes a very damaging thing. But that sex was God's idea. That God created it in the right context and it's a gift from Him. Today we're going to be talking about where many of you are at today in the fact that maybe you think that your relationship is really over. You think, in fact, some of you, you are so worried about your spouse coming home from this deployment because you're wondering, is this relationship going to continue or will it die? Others of you, your spouse has not gone on deployment, but he's there every night, as in the poem, snoring like a hibernating bear. And you're wondering, does your marriage have what it takes to truly last? We all know the statistics that out of every marriage, every two marriages, one ends in divorce. And you're wondering, do we have what it takes? Not just to fall in love, because falling in love is easy, but staying in love is hard. Staying in love is difficult. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. How do you stay in love? Because, again, falling in love, all you need is a pulse. Right? I mean, all you need is just to be alive to fall in love. But staying in love, it takes a plan. It takes work. And some of you, you're thinking, you know what, there's no way that this marriage is going to last because I've fallen out of love. And I just want you to hear me clearly say, that actions always precede feelings. Love is not a feeling, love is a decision. And if you do the things that you did before you got married that caused you to fall in love, if you do those again, let me tell you what's going to happen. You're going to fall in love with your spouse again. But you have to do the things that you did so that you can feel what you felt before. Today, we're going to be looking at how to bring the sexy back into your marriage. 
how to bring the passion back into your marriage. Because God wants to write a beautiful love poem in your life. So let me just give you three problems, the reason why all of us have a tendency to lose our passion in marriage. Because whether you've been married for two months or whether you've been married for two years or 20 years, every marriage is going to have lows and highs. Every marriage is going to have dips, and every marriage is going to be wonderful mountain peaks. I was talking to a friend. They just got back from a cruise, and I asked her, how you doing? And she said, not as good as I was last week when I was on the cruise, right? All of us, we can go away, but then when we come back, what do we got? All the stuff, right? So how do you keep the passion in your marriage? Now, I just want to say this before we start looking at this stuff. You need to know that I am not perfect. I am not a perfect lover. In fact, this thing, this series has been, you know, as I've been reading and I've been, my wife and I, we've been reading and I said, you highlight this and I highlight this and we kind of compare notes. But this is one of those things that some of the things that I'm going to be telling you today, I'm going to be preaching to myself. All right? Because all of us need work. Can we all agree on that? All right, cool. All right. Our first problem, why we have a tendency to lose our sexy and why we have a tendency to lose the passion outside of marriage is that we become predictable. Let's everybody say that. We become become predictable. Let me show you this graph up here. This will give you a little bit. We talk about this graph a lot here at One Church because we believe that our worship services, we want them to be unpredictable. Because this says, the lower the predictability, the what? The higher the impact. And the higher the predictability, the what? Lower the impact. You see, if you knew everything that we were going to be doing in here today, and if we printed off everything that we were going to be doing and all this stuff, you would just kind of come in and go, oh, and you would put it on autopilot. Because the higher the predictability, the lower the impact. Now, if we come in here and we have, you know, we... We'll sing and we'll do this, and then somebody comes out on stage with a backflip, which is never going to be me. <clears throat> it wasn't that funny. I'm just joking. All right. You're going to go, well, that was really unpredictable, right? Well, this same principle, it applies to a worship service, but it also applies to your marriage. Because the higher predictability in your marriage, if you become high predictability, your marriage is going to have a low impact. But if you have low predictability, your marriage is going to be what? It's going to be for shizzle. That's exactly right. That's what this says. All right? This is huge. Now, guys, I'm going to talk a lot to you today because I am a guy. I have always been a guy. I will never be a woman. Somebody say amen. All right. I'm, I'm coming at this from a guy perspective. And guys, we have a tendency to become predictable. Now, ladies, you can be predictable as well. We're going to get to your mess in a minute. But guys, let me just speak with you just for a second. Tell me the differences between a guy's clothes closet and a woman's clothes closet. All right, let's talk about that. Somebody throw me some stuff out there. It's a mess. Okay, cool. Size. Now, are you saying the guy's has a lot bigger clothes closet? Not so much, exactly right, all right? Oh, somebody else said something. Shoes, very good, Parker. Now, I'll take it, you're, you're, Jason, he has a lot of pumps, right? Probably not, all right? But, see, 
That's going to get me in trouble. All right, um, but here's the thing. Ladies, you have a lot of shoes. I have three pairs of shoes. I have two dress Crocs, and I know that's a contradictory. I know that. <coughs> so I got two pairs of dress Crocs, and I got tennis shoes. That's what I got, all right? And now, ladies have a whole lot more shoes because you have a whole lot more outfits, right? I mean, guys, I mean, we have a tendency, you can wear the same pants four days in a row, and that won't bother you a bit, will it? All right? But ladies, I mean, you, you may wear one blouse one Monday, and you may not wear that for another six months. Right? And you're complaining about, I don't have anything to wear. Right? Now, let's talk about this. It's not that she doesn't have anything to wear. It's that she doesn't have anything creative to wear. She's, she's not happy with what she has. She likes variety. Guys, not so much. Right? Some of you, you've got two pairs of jeans, guys. Right? And ladies, you've got tons of pairs of jeans. You've got skinny jeans. You know, by the way, no men should ever be in skinny jeans. I'm going to throw that out there. <coughs> Keep that smut at home. That's all I'm saying. All right? You ever see me in skinny jeans? Run. All right. But here's the thing. Guys, especially guys, we can become predictable. Now, let me give you two areas that, guys, that, that we can totally lose the passion because of our predictability. The first is we become, predictab- we become predictable when we go on a date. When we go on a date. Guys, let me just help you out just a little bit. You don't need to take your wife to a dinner and a movie for the 1,482nd time. All right, she doesn't want to go see, uh, you know, the blo- L.A. blowing up. She don't want to see that. All right. In fact, you may you may even have a chick flick. She probably didn't want to. I mean, think about this. How much interaction does a couple really get when they're in in front of a movie? None, unless you're like me and I kind of heckle and joke and stuff, and I get thrown out of theaters. It's real fun, real fun. But here's the thing. What your spouse most wants most from you is interaction. And you don't get any interaction just sitting in front of a movie theater. So let me help you out a little bit. <clears throat> you can do some really creative dates. You can go on a walk and do a picnic. That costs nothing. Nothing. Um, let me give you some other ones. You can go roller skating. <laughs> How many of y'all, the last time y'all been roller skating? years, right? I mean, it would be humorous for both spouses just to watch each other roller skate. But hey, you fall down, you fall in each other's arms, and everybody goes, oh, right? All right? Go hiking, go canoeing. I know some of you are ladies, y'all crazy. I don't want to go canoeing, all right? I want to go shopping, okay? Go shopping, all right? Go shopping for like a his and her outfit, all right? Or if if you're really getting crazy, Go shopping together at this place that's a secret somewhere in, in Victoria. That's all I'm saying. All right? Some of y'all going, preach it, brother. All right? But go shopping. D- do something together. You know, um, go to an art gallery. You know, surprise her. Uh, just become unpredictable. In fact, go to, there's this really cool thing called Swirls. It's, it's totally new here. All right? And uh, how many of y'all have been to Swirls? All right, cool. Very good. Uh, my wife has been to Swirls. She's been painting. And what, you can go there, and it's like two, three hours, and you can paint together as a couple. Really, really cool. All right? So that's an option that you have. 
But those are a lot of different options, all right? And by the way, and if you're a single guy, quit being boring. You ain't never, ever, 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 ever going to get anybody to marry you going to say, hey, you want to go to a movie? Let me tell you what I did, all right? Now, this is no, I can't make this stuff up. It's amazing I ever got married. I took all of my first dates in one or two different places. I either took them canoeing or frog gigging. <laughs> Y'all know what frog gigging is? If you don't, and if you, and if you are a car carrying member of PETA, you might want to leave now. Because what frog gigging is, you get this long bamboo pole with a pitchfork in the end, and you go out in the middle of the night, you get a flashlight, and you spotlight frogs, and you jab them. <laughs> Again, I didn't date a lot. You can tell. <clears throat> all right, but I did get a woman to marry me, and that's all that matters. All right. So, but here's the thing: be unpredictable, right? Be unpredictable. If you want to get married, if you want to be able to have a date, then you need to do what other people aren't doing. And frog gigging is one of them, all right? I'm going to throw that out there. <clears throat> In fact, if you're a couple here today, the first couple who are here, I'm going to give away free tickets to Swirls right here. Come on now. Come on. Come on. All right, very good. That was really quick. I didn't even, like, set them up. All right, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do it over here. First couple, right down here. Oh, I know you didn't. Oh, my gosh. All right. Here is a book for you. Hey, wait a minute, wait a minute. Read it. All right. Let's give it up for him. That was hilarious. That was really good. All right. I'm available for marriage counseling. In fact, let me just tell you, that book that I gave away, that's a $20 book. We were able to get them for 5 bucks. And we had 30 of those. We only have like six of those left. And we're selling those at the resource table for five bucks a piece. At the end of this service, I'm sure they're going to be all gone. So if you want one of those, it's a great book. A lot of the stuff I'm teaching about is coming straight from that book. So I would encourage you to make sure to grab those before they're gone. All right? So quit being predictable. All right? Take her to swirls. All right, Ricky? All right, very good. All right? Do the things in that book. All right, very good. We'll move on. So quit being predictable on a date, but also, all right, guys and ladies on this, but quit being predictable in bed. All right, again, I got this straight from that book. Let me read to you what Kevin Lehman has to say about this. Guys, your wife will not be the same woman on Tuesday evening sexually that she was on Saturday morning. One night she may be up for an adventure, all right? She may be Princess Leia and you may be Hobie Wine. I'm just throwing that. It's the buns. That's all I'm saying. It's the buns. All right. And the next. <laughs> oh dear God. And the next night she may want something totally different. All right. One night she may want an all-nighter, and the next night she may want a quickie. Your job, guys, is to figure out which way the wind is blowing on that particular day. That's huge, because women are very a lot different than us guys, right? In a lot of different ways. I mean, a a guy thinks about sex every seven seconds, right? Ladies aren't like that. We're like a microwave, you know, ding, we're done. Thank you very much, right? I don't know why you're laughing so much, right? Ladies are like crock pots, right? They simmering, all right? And we're going to talk about that here in a minute, all right? 
So let me, let, me, let me let you see what Song of Solomon has to say about this, about being unpredictable in bed. Listen to this. He took her home with him for a festive meal, but his eyes feasted on me. Oh, give me something refreshing to eat and quickly. Apricots, raisins, anything. By the way, apricots and raisins, those are aphrodisiacs. All right? If y'all don't know what that is, you need to Google it. In fact, don't Google it. I am about to faint with love. His left hand cradles my head, and his right arm encircles my waist. This couple is combining the two best things in the world, sex and food, right? And my point is, they're being creative. They're being creative, and you and I, we need to be creative as well. I mean, one of the keys of sexual fulfillment and one of the keys of bringing the spark back into your marriage is you've got to be creative. And guys, that takes, lo- that takes forethought. You can't be thinking about this 30 minutes before you go to bed. You have to be creative ahead of time. In fact, that leads me to my second point, and here's the second problem. is thinking that sex starts in the bedroom. Sex doesn't start in the bedroom. Sex starts in the kitchen. Some of y'all are going, oh, you little freaky. It's like some of y'all are laughing. And I know what you're thinking. You got a cold, hard Mexican tile. You, I mean, I, that's what I'm saying. That's not what I'm talking about. <clears throat> Hear me on this one. Every day, a woman is asking the question, does he really love me? Is he truly into me? Does he like me? I mean, the one thing that females want out of that relationship is security. And let me tell you, she's not going to feel that type of secure love just in the bedroom at night. In fact, nothing will turn a lady off quicker than just thinking that she's just a pound of flesh. In fact, there needs to be something more. Too many people, and especially guys, I'm talking to guys especially today, Too many people think that sex begins and ends in the bedroom, but it doesn't because sex doesn't start in the bedroom. Sex is an all-day affair. Sex starts in the kitchen in that morning when you are emptying the dishwasher. Sex starts when you empty the trash and you are making her priorities your priorities. Because hear me on this one. All guys, our priority is sex. I mean, that's like, that's like a no-brainer. But hear me. Her priority, sex is there, but it's, it may not be in the top five. Her, I mean, her priority then may be, you know what, I've got to get the dishes done. I've got to get the kids ready for school. I've got a big day today, and I've got a lot of stuff. I've got a lot of stuff I'm juggling. So it, it may be in there, but it's getting overshadowed with everything else. And if you want her, her to make your priority her priority then you have to make her priority your priority. All right? That means, let me, let me tell you, and this is a, a, a great book that I read by Shanti Feldhand says this, that with women, everything affects everything. And what I mean is this, is a woman can't feel sexy and attractive when she has a, an, a day-old a pan caked with burnt lasagna in the, dish, in the, in the sink. She, I mean, because everything affects everything. She, she's not thinking, I mean, she's thinking maybe about the guy, but she's also thinking about what she's got to do tomorrow and what she should have done today that she didn't get to do and how tired she is and all. She, everything affects everything. And if you want her to make your priorities her priorities, 
then you have to focus on her needs. In fact, listen to how Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22 says, 21 and 22 says it. It says this. Now, uh, 22, we, we know this verse. In fact, some of you ladies, you would tar and feather me if I ever preached this verse. By the way, I'm preaching it today, so good luck. But I want you to look at the verse before the whole submit thing. It says this in verse 21. And further, what does it say? Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So he's talking to husbands and wives and he's saying, who's supposed to submit? Both. Both are supposed to submit. Now he goes on in verse 22, it says, for wives. This means what? Submit to your husbands as to the Lord. And then in verse 25, for husbands, this means what? Love your wives just as Christ loved the church. You see, excuse me, one of these things is, ladies, so many times you don't want to submit. But hear me, you, you want him to love you, right? Of course you do. You see, the primary need that a guy has is respect. And the primary need that a woman has is love and tenderness. And God knew that. And he starts this entire marriage passage out in Ephesians 5 by saying you're supposed to submit to one another. In fact, some of you, you're going to see my text and you're going to be texting me some questions about, hey, what's legal and what's not? And what can we do in the bedroom? And what about this and this and this? The question is, what is the other spouse like? See, that's, that's, a, that's a big question. Because when you submit to one another, you're putting their needs before your own. That's what we're talking about next week. It's going to be a good one. All right? Let me look at and kind of show you what Romans chapter 12 has to say about this. It says this. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. You know, it's easy to pretend to love people. It's easy to say, hey, baby, I love you. Right? That's, that, that's easy. But he says, don't just talk it. Walk it. Love each other with a what? Genuine affection and take delight in what? Honoring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard. You know love is hard work. See, some of you think, hey, it's not hard work for me. Then you're not doing it right. I'm going to throw that out there. It takes hard work to love your spouse. Because your spouse is not perfect and neither are you. And if, you, if it's not taking hard work, what that's telling me is that you're putting on autopilot. And if you put it on autopilot, it's only a matter of time before your plane hits the side of a mountain. All right? Merry Christmas. All right? <clears throat> if you're going to get your sexy back, if you're going to bring the passion back in your marriage, then you have to realize that sex starts in the kitchen. The great sex is an all-day affair. It starts by serving your spouse in the morning. It starts by serving your spouse in the afternoon. It starts by putting their needs above your own. And it, you don't say, well, I'm going to do this if you do this. No, 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 no. You do it with no expectations. And you see what happens. I mean, that's huge. I mean, good sex starts by cleaning the dishes. In fact, this is what Kevin Lehman says straight out of this book. All right. He says this, if you, guys, if you want to see your wife in lingerie, then maybe you need to wear an apron once in a while and take a couple of steps in the direction of dishpan hands. Uh, all right. So you need to realize, you need to become unpredictable, get crazy. You can say the pastor told me to. All right. And then two, you need to realize that good sex is an all-day thing. All right. Third, the third problem that many of us have, guys and ladies alike, is we stop 
pursuing our spouse. Let's all say that out loud. We stop. <coughs> you remember what it was like when you were dating, right? You remember what it was like? Some of you, you think, well, that was a long time ago. Just think back. You remember the crazy things that you did? I mean, he likes her and he buys her flowers and you write cars and you open up the car door. Remember that? And you close the car door and you went out to a, a restaurant and you waited before you sat down until she sat down and then you pushed her chair up, right? You remember all those wonderful things? And, and you, ladies, you baked him cookies and you made his favorite meal. And you put on a whole lot of extra lipstick and you signed a love note by, you know, doing it between your lips and that whole lipsticky thing, right? You know what I'm saying? I mean, he pursued her. He pursued her and he loves chasing her. He loved the chase. And ladies, you invited him to pursue you. And she loved to be chased. <clears throat> As I was thinking about this, I thought about a date I did, a creative date before we ever got married. And I'm sharing this to you by letting you know that I'm not perfect and I need work. I remember, we've been married for 18 years, going on 18 years now. And one of the things I told my wife, and, I said, and she wasn't my wife at the time, we were just dating. I said, hey baby, I want to come and pick you up Saturday 7 o'clock in the morning. She said, it's 7 o'clock in the morning? Yeah, you make sure you have your driver's license, we're going. Okay, 7 o'clock in the morning, I go and pick her up. I drive her to Nashville, we get on an airplane. Come on. I was in college, baby. All right. I, and see, she made it through the frog gigging. <clears throat> so we boarded a plane and we flew to St. Louis. And we got off the plane in St. Louis and we went up in the arch. And I was asking her today, did, did we go to, I thought maybe we went to the uh, St. Louis Zoo, but we couldn't remember. And we went to uh, go eat at an Italian restaurant and went to go to a Cardinals baseball game. And then we flew back that night. And it was, a, it was fun. I'm telling you that to say that was 18 years ago and we've not flown to St. Louis anytime soon. What are the things that you did, guys, what are the things that you did that make, to make her say yes in the first place? What is, what is those crazy, weird, off-the-wall things that you did so that when you got down on one knee and she said yes? What are... We have a tendency, especially guys, because we're goal-oriented, we, 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 we pursue her, she says yes, and then we move on to the next goal. And then we start putting, you, you make, you know, getting your rank, your next rank the goal, or getting promoted the goal, or, or you know, get your next job the goal, whatever it is. Most couples tend to pursue each other before marriage, and after they get married, they put it on autopilot. And that is the recipe for disaster. We tend to pursue what we don't have. And once we, what, what, excuse me, once we get what we don't have, we, tend, we have a tendency to pursue something else. And like I said, guys, we're especially bad about this because we're goal-oriented. We, we, we're conquerors. But I want you to hear me on this, guys and ladies on this one. If you stop pursuing them, what was once won what you once won, W-O-N, can be lost. In fact, our big idea today is this. Win your spouse's heart every single day because what is won can be lost. That's huge. Never stop pursuing your spouse every day. Guys, again, I'm going to speak to you and the ladies, batter up. 
All right, guys, send her flowers. Some of you ladies, if, you, if your husband sent you flowers in the middle of the day, you would thought somebody died, right? Because wh- where's the funeral? <clears throat> but guys, and some of you guys, you're thinking, that's just, that's dumb. That's a waste of money. But you know what? You waste money on other things, don't you? Oh, some of y'all ladies, y'all are crazy preaching. All right? You know what? Don't get mad. Don't throw things. That's all I'm saying. Tell me, maybe you don't want to go to like a professional florist and pay $60 for an arrangement. Go to Walmart for $5.99 and get a bouquet. Right? But do something. Send her flowers. Send her, send her text. Text her. Send her emails. Call your spouse for no reason. How about this? Instead of coming home late, rush home early and make your spouse a priority. Get there early and you cook her dinner. Oh, let's get crazy, right? <clears throat> Buy your spouse inexpensive gifts. You know, maybe you can't afford a six-carat diamond ring. Go someplace and get her a cup of coffee. Um, go someplace and buy her, buy her some, you know, whatever candy she likes or whatever. Do something unexpected. Continue to pursue her, all right? Go out on a date monthly. This is huge. Pursue her with creativity, energy, passion. That's what it takes. That's how you got her to say yes in the first place. And if you want to hear her, continue to hear her say yes, 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 then you got to pursue. You've got to do what you did at first. And guess what? If you do that, your feelings will come back. I promise you. I promise you. Ladies, let's talk about you for a minute. Let's get fun. Some of you, you've been wearing the same what do you call it? A nightgown to bed since 1986. <clears throat> I think there's some type of weird thing that once a woman gets married, someplace in Moose Jaw, Alaska, sends her a, like a seal skin nightie that is filthy nasty that if you put a solar flare up to it, you couldn't be able to see light through. Go buy something else. Right? I, 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 I will tell you, this is my wife for my birthday. and I, <laughs> She gave me a gift certificate to Victoria's Secret, a gift card. And there ain't nothing in there for me. All right? Nothing in there that fits me. She says, it ain't for you. It's for me. Go buy me something that you like. Now, you need to know, I was the most uncomfortable I've ever been. Even more uncomfortable than me speaking to you about sex today, all right? I was in there for an hour and 45 minutes trying to figure out going, oh, I just don't know. <clears throat> My point is, do something like that. You know, ladies, I mean, that's, that's a way that you can get him to say, I don't know what you like. You pick me out something. And Kim even gave me her sizes, all right? That's important, ladies. Give him your sizes. Don't make him guess. It won't be pretty. All right, <clears throat> my point is this. The reason why you lost your passion is because you became predictable. You saw sex as an event at evening and not an all-day thing, and you stopped pursuing. In fact, if you would, we're, we're getting to the end of our message. I want you to turn to Genesis chapter 2. We looked at this verse last week. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 24, it says this. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and will be, what's that word right there? Let's all say it together. What is it? United. They will be united to his wife, and the two will become what? 
one flesh. <clears throat> now that Hebrew word united is the Hebrew word debak. Everybody say that. All right, it's kind of like speaking Klingon. Just hang out with me, all right? Debak means to cling to or to adhere, but it also can mean to pursue passionately or to even catch. That's cool. Now let me show you some other places where this Hebrew word debak or unite is used in the Bible. This is not on your screen. Just listen to this. Psalm 63, 8 says, I debak close behind you. I follow close behind you. So it means to follow close. Other word, debak. They are joined fast, debak. They are joined fast. This other one I like. They pursued hard after them, Judges 20, 45. The, the pursued hard after is the word, what? Debach. All right. Excuse me. Now, hear me. Debaching your spouse is not just a one-time event. Right? What are y'all laughing at? I, Pursuing your spouse is not just a one-time event, is it? You have to pursue them daily. In fact, let me paraphrase Genesis 2.24 and listen to this. This is how it says. A man will leave his father and mother and passionately pursue his wife for the rest of his life. Doesn't that sound fun? I mean, that's a whole lot of chasing, right? Around the kitchen, right? <clears throat> Getting crazy. Believe it or not, passion in marriage, it's going to take some work. It's going to take some pursuing, you just can't put it on autopilot. You can't do it. Passivity is the enemy of passion and marriage. One of the greatest Bible stories as I was thinking through this that I could really show you about continuing to pursue your spouse is found in Genesis. It's Genesis chapter 29. It's a story of Jacob. Let me kind of give you some, some uh, background here before we read it as we close. <clears throat> Jacob, he's looking for a wife. And he leaves his home and he's trying. He's he's out looking for a spouse, and um, he comes to this uh, a, a long distant relative named Laban. Laban's a guy, and Laban has two daughters. One daughter, the older daughter, is named Leah, and the younger daughter is named Rachel. Now Leah is in. Eh. She has a good personality, okay. <clears throat> but Rachel, she out of this world. She's a ten, right? All right, now. This is, that's the context. Now, Jacob wants to marry Rachel. Let's look at it. Now, Laban had two daughters. The older daughter was named Leah, and the younger one was named Rachel. There was no sparkle in Leah's eyes. But Rachel had a beautiful figure and a lovely face. All right? Since Jacob was in love with Rachel, he told her father, I'll work for you for seven years if you give me Rachel, your younger daughter, as my wife. For how long? How long? Seven what? Years. Some of y'all, you wouldn't work seven days for your spouse. Some of you, I, I mean, you can't, you have a hard time keeping a 40-hour-a-week job. But this joker is saying, I will work for seven years. I mean, he's got it bad, don't he? <clears throat> and let me tell you what happens. Seven years. I mean, he works for seven years. I mean, that's a long time. But it was, he was, he has such a love, Jones, for Rachel. That seven years felt like seven days. Look at what it says in verse 20. So Jacob worked seven years to pay for Rachel, but his love for her was so strong that it seemed to him but, but a few days. Oh, that's good. That's good. <clears throat> Why did seven years feel like seven days? Because Jacob was pursuing Rachel. Jacob was working to win Rachel's heart. Now let me tell you, a bummer happens here. Laban, he's thinking through those seven years, and he's going, 
Leah's the oldest, and ain't nobody going to marry her. So I'm going to have to do something. i got to take matters in my own hands. And he plays a little switcheroo. You see, back in that time, they didn't do an altar with all the lights on and stuff. How you got married is you said, okay, there's the tent. It's pitch black. There's no electricity. You go in, and you, you know, do what you're thinking. <clears throat> and then the next morning, hey, you're married, right? Well, he does that. Jacob does that. And he lays down. He sleeps with this girl. And the next morning, he wakes up not beside Rachel, but beside Leah. He goes, ooh, right? <clears throat> now, listen to what he says. And Jacob is completely crushed. Jacob says, I've worked for seven years for Rachel. Why have you tricked me, Laban? And Laban replies, it's not our custom here to marry off a younger daughter ahead of the firstborn. I'll give you Rachel too, provided you promise to work, what? Another, what? Seven years for me. <laughs> so Jacob agreed to work seven more years. A week after Jacob married Leah, Laban gave him Rachel too. So Laban struck a deal with Jacob. And I want you to know, Jacob continued to work for Leah even after he had her. Guys, you are to continue to work to pursue your spouse even after you're married. you got to pursue her. Ladies, you have to pursue as well. You have to make yourself available to be pursued. You got to do that. If you want to put the spark and the sparkle back into your marriage, if you want to bring the sexy back into your marriage, then you've got to stop being predictable. You got to see stop seeing sex as just an event and you you have to you have to pursue them. This is huge. I'm going to give you homework and then I'm going to answer questions. Here's the homework. Ladies, guys, if you're a couple here, here's the homework. I want you to trade cars with your spouse one day this week. And I want you to leave them something special in that car. Some of y'all going, is that means what I think he's meaning? You take it however you want to apply it. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his word. <clears throat> I think I told you guys last week that one of the things I did when we were dating is I made a copy of my wife's car keys and I kidnapped her, stole a car, and I you know, washed it up and vacuumed it and all that stuff. Maybe you ought to do that with your spouse this week. You just take their vehicle, and maybe it's a mess, and you armor all it, and you vacuum it, and you, I mean, guys, many times when you borrow her car, you leave it on empty, and you don't have it filled up for her. Shame on you, right? So fill it up, even when gas is $3.49 a gallon. We got a Suburban, so we're going to be passing the offering plate twice in a minute. <clears throat> what I'm saying is be creative. Now, some of you, you got spouses who are deployed. What are you going to do? Well, he's probably still got a car here, so do something. Or, you know what, just get crazy. Do something totally different. Maybe you send him something in the mail. I don't know what you need to be sending him, but that's between you and your spouse, all right? Now, if you're single, what are you supposed to do? Well, number one, you keep your hands to yourself. I'm just joking. <coughs> Actually, I'm not joking. But single, here's what I want you to do. I want you to write your future spouse a letter expressing your love and passion and what you want most for them. All right? I want you to pursue that spouse even though you may not even know him or her yet. And I want you to tell them in this letter what you want for them, not what you want from them. See, it's easy to know what you want from them, right? But what do you want for them? 
And then I want you to write that. And then once you get married, or on the day before you get married, maybe you give him or her that letter. This is what I want most for you. All right? So there you go. All right. A couple of questions and then we're done. <clears throat> My husband and I lived together for four years before we got married. We have been married for six months, and it has been the hardest six months since we've been together. My question, I've been praying and trying to work uh, this out, but I get discouraged and beaten, uh, and I don't want to work on it, but I love him. What uh, do I do? All right, these are one of these things. I don't know. Um, it sounds like you're being discouraged, and uh, it says you're maybe getting beat, maybe beat down. I hope there's not any physical abuse there, because if there's physical abuse, we need to talk about that probably off stage. And I love to be able to talk with you about that. And I don't know who this is, so come and see me afterwards. If it's not physical abuse, let me just say this: I would say, you know, and we talked about this. That the reason sex in the context of marriage is a good thing. You take it outside of marriage, it becomes a bad thing. And there are consequences to living together that once you become now married, you have to live with some of those consequences. And it sounds that's exactly like what you're doing. I would just continue to affirm your commitment to your spouse. And to, I would encourage you both to maybe even seek some counseling. Um, there's nothing wrong with getting counseling. Uh, my wife and I, we've had counseling in the past. You guys can have counseling. You guys can do that through the church, or we can set you up with a Christian counselor as well. But just being able to sit down and work on your marriage, that is a huge thing. And I would encourage you, another thing is maybe even just reading a book together. Something as, as similar as like the books that we're offering, or you can go to Lifeway and get some books there. But get a good Christian book. And read down and just go through chapter by chapter. Hey, what did you think about that? That, I promise you, will help your marriage out. Um, and that's a, that's a good start on that one. Another question was this. What does the Bible say about the balance of power between spouses in a marriage? Should there be a head of the household or a leader? And the Bible is very clear on that. That yes, the Bible says there should be a head and that head is the man. Now some of you ladies, you again, you don't like that. I'm sorry. I didn't write it. That's what the Bible says. But I want, I want to say this as well. You know, we talked about the Trinity last week. There's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And there's three persons and one God. Now, all of them are equal, right? God the Father is equal to God the Son, and God the Son is equal to God the Holy Spirit. They're all equal. But yet, even in the Trinity, there is a, there is, um, there is a pattern. Uh, Jesus said many times, you read the Gospels, he says, I'm not going to do anything except what my Heavenly Father tells me to do. So he was, fo he was following after the lead of his Heavenly Father, God the Father. And just as there's God the Father is over God the Son, even though they're equal here, somebody has to, ha somebody has to lead. In the Trinity, God the Father is the one calling the shots. Well, in marriage... Both the husband and wife are equal in the fact that God loves you both. But God says this, I, the husband is to be the head of the wife. It says in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25, 26, 27, 28. Just as Christ is the head of the church. And again, so that is exactly how it works. All right? So now let me say this, and then i got to go because I'm really long on this one. Just because he is the head doesn't make him always right. It doesn't make everything that he says, you don't have to just follow blindly. But at the end of the day, you need to follow his lead. Uh, somebody, uh, we've gotten this discussion 
in our membership class, but hey, my spouse doesn't come to church, and the lady's asking this question, and hey, I want to tithe, I want to give to church, I want to give my 10%, but my spouse doesn't want me to. What should I do? And we're always consistent on this. You know what? You know, God says clearly this is what, how much you should give on all this stuff, but if your spouse is not in this yet, then don't do it yet. We would rather your relationship with your spouse, you get this thing right, and hopefully, but because of what you're doing and say, this is what I want to do, honey, but because you don't want to do this, I'm going to follow your lead, hopefully that's going to draw him to Jesus. He's going to accept Jesus, and guess what? Then eventually, you know, he, he may start giving as well, but the whole point is you don't just want him to give money, you want him to give his heart to Jesus Christ. So we encourage ladies, if your husband isn't into this whole God church thing, we would ask, you know what, you do what your spouse has to say. And if your spouse doesn't want to do it, then God will take care of him. Tony Evans says it like this, the great definition of submission is the wife ducking so that when God swings, you don't get hit, but he hits your spouse. Totally true. All right. All right. Thank you guys so much. Um, oh, okay, one more question. I have always wondered about certain scriptures. Today we talked about God's gift being in sex uh, in marriage. But I'm confused um, why the Bible talks about um, one man having two wives. That's a great question. Why is this, and, and, and am I misunderstanding the Bible, I would not want more than one. <laughs> uh, even, <coughs> even though I love my wife very much. All right. <coughs> That's a, actually a great question. The Bible teaches at the very beginning in Genesis 2 that there was only supposed to be one husband and one wife. But as a tendency, we all have a tendency to do kind of mess things up, take good things and mess them up. And that's exactly what happened in this situation. Jacob wasn't supposed to have two wives. He ended up having two wives. And if you continue reading in Genesis 29 and on, onward, things are not good at home because of that. All right? Some of you, you maybe you're watching like movie, uh, like like TV shows like Sister Wives, right? God didn't create it to be like that. Very clearly. God created one man and one woman to be one flesh, not three fleshes or four fleshes. So great question. The, the answer I'm going to tell you is that's not God's model. He doesn't want it to be like that. All right, let's pray.